Well, let's turn to the Lord's Word now, and we're going to... Is this on? Yeah, it's on. The, great, the greatest thing in all our lives, amen, is knowing Him, loving Him, and serving Him. That's really what life's all about, isn't it? Is having a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So what we've been looking at last week, and what we're going to look at again this week, is the strong right hand of God. He will hear us from his glorious heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Okay? The right hand, of course, is a metaphor. It's a symbol of many things. We looked last week. It's a symbol of covenant. And it is also a symbol of God's power. And it's a symbol of, of, and sometimes a symbol of God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, because it's a symbol of power. And so there are many scriptures that speak about God's right hand. In Exodus chapter 15 and verse 6, it says, Your right hand, Lord, has become glorious in power. Your right hand, Lord, has dashed the enemy in pieces. So it's a great study for us to do the right hand of the Lord his strong right hand. Um, it's such a wonderful study. Psalm 20 verse 6 says, Now know I that the Lord saveth his anointed. He will hear him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. And you know, the right hand of God is a heraldic symbol in Britain today or in the British Isles. And we sometimes see it. It's not always red. But uh, the red hand, the red hand of Ulster, they call it, or the red hand symbol. It's not just an Ulster, it's many of the Scottish clans have it on their heraldry on their crest. And it's a symbol of God's power. A sim it's an Israelite symbol. More specifically, a Judaite symbol that appears in a lot of um, coats of arms, different things like that. And, um, you know, in many respects, is a controversial symbol for that reason because it being, if you like, the red hand, it's a contested thing, Protestants, Catholics, and so on. It's a hated symbol. But the root of that hatred is not because it's a proddy or a Catholic thing, it's because it's a symbol of God's covenant. Okay? And, you know, not everybody is happy that we are a covenanted nation. But we are, and so we ought to remember that. Anyway, the right hand of the Lord is a, it's, it's a glory hand. Amen? It's a hand of glory. It is his hand of power. The right hand of God, we just read in Exodus 15, verse 6, smashes the enemy to pieces. Who wants to see God's enemies smashed to pieces? Amen? Now, we're not talking about people here, folks. We're talking, the Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers, which includes, if you want to say, evil spiritual forces. Okay? Um, but it also includes evil institutions. Amen? Is, is this mic working okay? Because if I, I'm standing holding it, and if, I, if it's not coming <laughs> I'm just looking like Elvis. But I'm not, you know, I'll put it down, and I'll just try and talk about it. So the reason we use this is some people... I don't think it's gone. Probably the bad thing is. Yeah. Probably. There's uh, some 
think maybe the back there. It was Charles that was being included. Ah, yeah, no, it was the right place. She's done. It's very complicated because of the Anyway, praise God. So, God smashes his enemy in pieces, and the right hand is a symbol of that. Okay? It's a symbol of God's power, it's a symbol of God's authority, it's a symbol of covenant. And of course, Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, which is the place of authority and power and dominion. So when we're talking about God's right hand, and Scripture is replete with it, we're talking about God's intervening hand. Amen? His hand, His power, His authority is there to intervene in our lives to destroy the enemy. To protect us from harm. To preserve us in times of trouble. Amen. I used to have, I uh, used to know a girl years ago. And um, I'll never forget this story. Never, ever forget this story. She told me um, that she had a bit of a, a background. Has it gone now? Just, I'll just need to show you, okay? Um, she had a bit of a Christian background her family and her grandfather was a saved man and she said that her grandfather it was a famous story in the family her grandfather was uh, out playing and it went into a, a pond or something a pool and he started to drown he's drowning in the pool he's way down at the bottom and just a wee boy and he cried out, Lord, help me, or Lord Jesus, or something like that. She says, and the next thing, a hand came through the water and grabbed his hand, I believe, and pulled him out of the water, out of the pond, to the bank. But there was nobody there. Just a hand. Amen? And I like that. I like stories like that. Amen? It, it, it prompts me to tell the one of George Reed with a parachute. Amen. What a story that is. Okay. Um, and, well, we'll tell it. Because, you know, when we, when we talk about things like this, we provoke our faith, don't we? So, George Reed was a pastor up at Glen Boyd during the war, I believe. He jumped out of a plane with a parachute. And he was going through the air and pulled his parachute. Nothing happened. He was hurtling towards the ground and he shouted out something like, Lord, I'm coming. And froze in Medea. Amen? Froze in Medea. As he's hurtling without a parachute. And then gently, gently, gently was lowered down. Now the story goes, I believe I'm getting this right, they were all coming down and there was a hill there and he came down on the other side of the hill and a lot of the other men came down on the other side so all they saw was him falling without a parachute some of them that's all they saw but others that were riding at witnesses saw him freezing midair and coming down and he just landed okay and he walked around and he's, he's uh so many people going who was that that poor so-and-so that fell to his death and that was it 
It was him, but he didn't fall to his death. Why? Because something grabbed him and laid him down gently. Now, you know, I wouldn't advise you to go to the top of the towers and jump off to see if that will happen to me. Amen? Um, because we don't, we, don't, we don't provoke things like that. But the point is this, brothers and sisters, is that if we're walking with him, the strong right hand of the Lord will save us. And there are many accounts, listen, you don't know how many times God has maybe saved your life and you're not even aware of it. That maybe some angel came along and swept you away, went down that road, instead of going that road where you might have got stabbed or killed or whatever, yeah? And some of us do have testimonies of God preserving us. But I want to speak today about the strong right hand of the Lord because his right hand is glorious in power. It says in Deuteronomy chapter 33, verses 1 to 3, This is the blessing wherewith Moses, the man of God, blessed the children of Israel before his death. Moses was the national leader of Israel. We could say he was the president of Israel because they didn't have a king at that point. Or the prime minister. He was God's man. He was the leader of the nation. Wouldn't this be great if the leader of the nation stood up tomorrow in the House of Commons and said words like this? You know, God's, sorry, the job of a prime minister or a first minister or all these people is to bring, I believe, the word of the Lord to the people. But if they don't have a relationship with God, well, all they're bringing is uh, nonsense. Their own ideas or the ideas of the men, the shadowy men behind them. Amen? But we want, in Britain, we want a prime minister. We want national leaders. We want in Scotland a first minister that brings the word of the Lord. Amen? Um, and we, we ought to be believing for that. That's why we pray every week. Remove the wicked and replace them with the godly. I want a godly prime minister. You know why? Because if you get the head right, the body will fall. And because we've had a, a bunch of bams in office. That's why we're in the state we're in. This is the blessing wherewith Moses, the man of God, blessed the children of Israel before his death. And he said, The Lord came from Sinai and rose up from Seir unto them. He shined forth from Mount Paran, and he came with ten thousands of saints. From his right hand went a fiery law for them. From his right hand went a fiery law for them. Now, folks, We've got that today in Britain. We have that. From the right hand of God, we have our Bibles, which is a fiery law for us. And that's why for centuries, our laws were based on the Word of God, on the Bible. And we, we just basically, I think it was Alfred the Great, basically when he was making up the law for England, just lifted up the, 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 the law of Moses and said, that's our law. So our law, our, our laws, our legal system was for many, 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 many decades and centuries very much based and founded in God's Word. But not in recent times. In fact, there are things in God's Word that are forbidden that are now enshrined in our law. Amen? So folks, we need to understand that this book came from God's right hand. And in fact, Jesus is 
the Word of God. And he sits at the right hand of God. So we could say this book came from Jesus. It came from God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It came from his right hand, which means it came with his authority. We don't have the authority as just human beings to change our laws to go against God's law. But we should use our authority to base our laws. Now, I know there are a whole bunch of, you know, you, the, the highway code is, is, you know, they don't have that in the book of the law of Moses, amen? But the principles of justice and righteousness that are in God's word should be in all our laws. And on that note, I'll just say this. What about this new law where when you're turning into a street, you have to wait for the pedestrians? Now, that's an unrighteous law, isn't it? Because you, know, you can see people getting mad because you suddenly stop the, the ones behind you because they, they don't. But the pedestrians, they have the right of way now. Whereas before they had to wait till you, anyway. Rant over. It says here, Yeah, he loved the people. All his saints are in thy hand, and they sat down at thy feet. Everyone shall receive of thy words. If you're a saint of God today, you're in God's right hand. You're in his hand. Which means you're in his care. You know, when you're you see, um, and you've, you've done it yourself, many of you. When you're walking across the street with your child, you grab them. Won't you? Sometimes they struck the neck, or you grab their shoulder, or you grab their hand. Because while they're crossing that dangerous road, they're in your hand. They're in your care, they're in your protection. Am I right? And while we are crossing the dangerous places of life, we're in his hand. Okay? And never forget you're in God's hand. Because it's so important. Now, you might be, you know, brave and tough and I don't need anything. But we all need the Lord. And I guarantee you, in every life, you know one of the toughest guys on, on earth, Chuck Norris, yeah? <laughs> Who's a Chuck Norris fan? Amen? Yeah. Even he needs the Lord. Amen? In fact, I believe Chuck Norris is a believer. Amen? So you're only tough when you've got God behind you. Anyway. From the right hand of Yahweh comes a fiery law. You will see that this is a blessing that Moses spoke over Israel. It's a blessing to be in God's hand. And it's a blessing to receive a fiery law. What's a fiery law? Well, it's a law you and I don't dare come against. His word should be law to us. Amen? Uh, speaking about tough guys, Judge Dredd. Who likes Judge Dredd? Yeah? What does Judge Dredd say? I am the law. Amen? Because Judge Dredd, and it's like that Robocop too, they're programmed that the law is the law and everybody must obey it. Amen? Well, there's a little bit about that in being a believer, in being somebody who says, this book is law to me. I, I can't negotiate. You can't negotiate with God. It's on his terms, not ours. Always. 
Amen. Now God is not a dictator, a hard taskmaster, somebody who's cruel and petty and vindictive. He's none of those things. But he knows what's best. If you've got children and you say, don't do that, you don't do it to, to, to be, as Hannah would say, a fun sucker. You know, when, when, when Hannah hears instructions she doesn't like, you're a fun sucker. Yeah? But you're not doing it to, to be a fun sucker. You're doing it because you know best. And the Lord knows best. So a whole bunch of stuff we like to do when he says, nah, don't do that. It's not because he's being cruel. It's because he's being kind. Amen? You know, yep, I did it. I'm sure you did too. When you were growing up, your dad knew, and mum, they knew nothing. Am I right? And you know, the older you get, you realise, the more, you know, the more you realise, oh, yeah, they did know. You know, I look back in things and think how my parents were being super cruel to me. And now I look back and go, my goodness, they were actually quite lenient. Because what they were doing was for my benefit. And we ain't going to get into getting your backside scalped and all that. <laughs> you know, we're not going to open that up. But let's just say, what loads of people do, well, it didn't do me any harm. Amen? And you know, we do get, there were parents that were abusive, and we know all that, okay? But it's the principle. Discipline, chastisement, all these things. When they're done with a loving heart. Okay? And it might be hard, it might be stinging. But, anyway, you needed them. I needed them. I definitely needed them. I know that. It's a blessing to have a fiery law spoke over you, like Moses spoke over Israel. Verse 3 tells, it tells us that all his saints are in his hand. Not some, all of us. If you're a saint, uh, that means you belong to Jesus, then <clears throat> you're in God's hand. Which hand is that? The hand of glory and power. You are protected in that place of glorious power if you are his. He loves you and you are in his hand. That's a good place to be. Yet we're told it is a fearful thing, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 31, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Well, it was a fearful thing to fall into the hands of our parents when we misbehave, wasn't it? Amen. The same hands that worked to provide for us and care for us and sustain us but if you cross that line, okay, and you knew when you crossed the line, didn't you? My mum would get a certain look in her face. And that was my cue to run as fast as possible. Amen? Because when she got that look, it was, you know, it was like a demon had took hold. Okay? <laughs> you know, that look in her eye, and it was like, time to go. Amen? Time to take off. Because you crossed that line. It was a fearful thing to fall into the hands of your mum and dad. And you know, back in the day when I was young, and, and this, is, this, this is a horrible thing, folks, and the, the children of today just don't get this. Neighbours were allowed to scalp your bum. Weren't they? Neighbours were allowed. And you know, if you went to your dad and said, uh, see him, he, he clipped my ear. Today, they would be getting the polis, uh, but back then it was, oh, did he? And your dad would march you over. What did you give him a clout in the lug for? All right, it's going to get worse now. 
Amen. Double for your trouble. Because neighbors were allowed to scalp you. You know, let me, let me just say to you, look at the wonderful people that produced <laughs> that culture. Okay, it wasn't an infringement of your human rights. You, know, you, you read today about children suing their parents for sucking the fun out of their lives. No, it was a fearful thing. The hand of God is a place of glory and power, but it's no place to play games. This is a serious business. We're laughing, we're joking, but folks, we're about a serious business. Why? Because the hand of God is a covenant hand, which means blood has been shed. You know, I say it a lot, and sometimes it might get boring to people, but this never gets boring to me. Never, ever gets boring to me. The top of the hill here, James Nisbet Street. Okay, there were several James Nisbets in the Covenanting times. Two of them were leaders and preachers, and I, I believe they were martyred too. But the guy whose street, the street up there is named after, was not a leader, was not a preacher. He just came to meetings. That was his crime. He, he attended Covenanting meetings. He came to uh, church meetings, the type of church meetings that were forbidden. He just came to listen. He wasn't preaching. He wasn't leading. That's all he did. He came. Imagine if today you were forbidden to come to this meeting on the Lord's Day this morning and they told you if you turn up there, you'll be hanged just down at the infirmary. That's where he was hanged just down. Really just I think where the A&E is just now, just, just there, that bit of the road. Imagine that, would you come? Or would you say, you know what, I'll just uh, tune in and zoom. Or I'll just give that one a buy, and I'll go to the friendly church, the one that doesn't have a problem. But folks, that man Nisbet and many others, thousands of others, blood, their blood was shed because they were covenanters. They covenanted Scotland to the Lord. And you know, I believe when God looks down in Scotland today, he, he does it and he looks at our land just now. And you're not going to get hung today for going to church. Not yet. But I believe when God looks down in Scotland today, he looks down and he sees the Scotland that those men and women gave their lives, that covenant. He sees us through that shed blood. The shed blood of his son, which we've just celebrated in our communion, time together, but also the shed blood of those who said, and some of those men that wrote that covenant did it in their own blood. And that covenant was, Lord, as you've covenanted with us in the body and blood of your son Jesus, we're doing that back to you for our nation. And they didn't do it for their nation when they lived. They did it for our times too. They covenanted the nation in perpetuity. And every day we walk around and we don't really, that ma doesn't matter to us, is a day I believe we disgrace the memory of the covenanters. <coughs> I believe that. This is a solemn business. The right hand of God. 
Jesus, nailed, Jesus' hands were nailed to a cross so that covenant blood would flow. And I, I want to say this on the judgment day. And I believe much of our history backs this up. The men were talking about those covenanting heroes of old, including James Nesbitt. Think about it. We've got a street named after him in walking distances. Isn't that wonderful? I believe in the day of judgment we'll stand before God and we want to be able to boldly say nobody, no nation, no land, no people were more faithful to the covenant blood of Jesus shed for us than the land of Scotland. The hand of the Lord is a strong and mighty hand. It is the bloody hand of covenant. It is the blood of this everlasting covenant, which Jesus says, this is the blood of my covenant, that defeats Satan and his minions. It is our word of testimony to this covenant that sets Satan on the run. You know, our word of testimony is not just I get saved, you know, Mr. Lawson gets saved over there. And so many people that come in, you come and take them to the seat and say, I got saved there many, many years ago. That's our word of testimony. Testimony means that you are witnessing to the shed blood of Jesus on your behalf and you responded and became a Christian. The day you got serious with God and still here today serving God after many, many years. And we all have a testimony, don't we? We all have a testimony. But the testimony is nothing unless blood was shed. Okay, the, word, the very word testimony at its root means covenant. But as a word of testimony to this covenant, it's people who do not love their lives unto death who walk in this. This is a covenant term. A covenant man has no life of his own. If you're a believer in Jesus and you're a believer in what we just celebrated, the covenant, you don't have a life of your own. You know, when you sign up for the army or the navy or the um, RAF, you don't have a life of your own. Amen? From the day you join and if you've got, you know, if you're a man and you've got long hair, forget it, it's gone. Correct? Now, I know some of you men are sitting going, that's just like marriage. <laughs> I no longer have a life of my own. Amen? But, but marriage is a covenant too, isn't it? You no longer have a life of your own. What happens when you're in covenant as a covenant man or woman surrenders his or her life in his blood oath to Jesus. See, when you, it wasn't just Jesus coming to my heart so that I can go to heaven when I die. It was, take my life and let it be. Amen. I surrender all. That's how it ought to be. Now, marriage is till death is part because it's a covenant. The only life a covenant man knows is that which he gets from his covenant. His very life's blood is sworn to another. 
Now, the Hebrew for the term rose up in verse 2 of Deuteronomy 33, which we read, is Zarach, the right hand of God, rose up from Seir, speaking of the bloody red hand of covenant promise. Uh, you know, when, when we look at, when you go back into ancient times, um, of the ancient cultures, particularly in, in the Middle East, is that if you walk through a, a village or a town, you would sometimes see a, a red hand on maybe the door frame or next to the door of a house. And that let you know that the person in that house was under a covenant. Because when you make covenant, you cut the hand. And what happens when you cut your hand? Blood comes out. And so what they would do is they'd smear the, the blood all over the hand and stamp it on the house. And that let, and let, let me just say this. I, we, I had a merc. We were talking about that. Was it yesterday, I think? We used to have this merc. And it was a, a real muscle cat. It was a very um, kind of limited edition merc. It was older than I had it, but it was a real... And um, I think Robbie Coltrane offered to buy off Agnes at a garage one day. And it was stinking petrol. It was a, st- you, but you know that cat you walk with and you went, oh. the men will get that, won't you? It just, it smelled so good to smell all that petrol and, you know, engine smell. It was brilliant. But I'll never forget the car because in every window it had these little stickers. And on the sticker was a red hand. Every sticker. Because, and it's used in the security industry, isn't it? You go in and all you see is a red hand. Sometimes on things. And what does it say? Keep out. Keep out. Why? Because you're not allowed in here. And when the death angel passed over the children of Israel in the land of Goshen. He saw the blood and the lintels. Didn't he? And it's believed that the Israelites very likely dipped their hand in the blood and put it next to the doorframe to say to the angel of death, keep out. Why? Because there's covenant people in this house. There are people that God protects in this house. There are people that God loves and is in covenant with in this house. And we'll look as we go on in this at what's called, we, we know it as the Passover covenant, where the angel of death passed over. But there's also, it's believed there was a crossover covenant. We'll look at that. There's a wee teaser for you. What does a crossover covenant mean? Well, it's electrifying. But let me just say, because we need to close this now. I believe if you know the Lord Jesus and are in covenant with him, there's a bloody red hand on you in the spirit realm that says to the devil, keep out. This person is protected by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. He shed his blood. His hands were bloody. Amen. Just like David, Jesus was a man of blood. It was his own blood but it was a blood that defeated his enemies and still does to this day. These are, some of these things are deep, I know that, but you know, we don't just always want to say, Jesus loves me, this I know, and just stay at that level. We need to understand the deep things of God, don't we? 
Because it's the deep things of God that thrill us and excite us. Anyway, we've run out of time, folks, this morning. We're going to close our service now.